0: deep brain stimulation as a treatment for alzheimer's disease well physicians at allegheny health network here in pittsburgh are part of that groundbreaking international clinical trial that is looking at those things and we are delighted right now to be joined by he's only the chief medical officer of allegheny health network but also a neurosurgeon dr don whiting kind enough to join us here on the rick dayton show dr whiting how
1: are you Great, Rick. Thank you for having me.
0: We talked about this several months back before the announcement has now come down about uh, the next uh, phase. So let's just give a primer for those that perhaps missed that. What do you mean by deep brain stimulation and and how exactly do you do that in a patient?
1: Sure. Um, deep brain stimulation is something that we've been doing in neurosurgery for about, probably about 25 years now. And it's a common treatment for Parkinson's disease. That's where we put a very small electrode into a part of the brain that kind of helps realign the circuitry that may be malfunctioning. So in Parkinson's disease, it helps smooth out the muscle movements. And in this particular use, it, it will help with memory.
0: We have heard of people doing pacemakers for the heart to keep the rhythm more normal, right? And they're using electronics in that regard. That's been around for a very, very long time. How long has this idea for Parkinson's and now Alzheimer's disease been
1: discussed? So this has been since 1997. And the, the analogy you made is exactly the same. It's kind of a pacemaker for the brain. So
0: Alzheimer's is one of those forms of dementia that is in the neighborhood of 6 million, 7 million people in the United States that are dealing with that particular issue. One in nine Americans 65 and older living with Alzheimer's, 72 percent, 75 and older are dealing with that. I mean, this is a massive public health issue that we're looking at, and it, and maybe it's not a disease like what we've learned about with COVID that you you can catch from somebody else, but if you've had to deal with it, if you've tried to help a patient with Alzheimer's, you realize how debilitating it can be, not only for the patient, but for the caregiver and the entire family. How much hope do you have in terms of using this stimulation to be able to to affect some sort of change?
1: Uh, that. Really, this is the third phase of the study, so it's already been proven in other phases of the study that's safe, but we're seeing initially very promising results of people with early Alzheimer's having improvement of memory with stimulation. It seems to be, at least in the study format, making a significant difference in their lives.
0: We've heard so many times, I think, Dr. Whiting, about plaques, right, being in the brain, and that is what they think perhaps has caused these sorts of things. How does electronics, if you will, get over that uh, physiology of plaque in the brain?
1: That's a really good question that somebody could win the Nobel Prize for. But what we think happens is the fact that, um, just like in the heart analogy, when the heart has no regular heartbeat, it doesn't work right. And the pacemaker gets the beat right and the rhythm right. In the brain, there's circuits in the brain that, that sort of have to work in a very synchronized fashion. And when that When the plaques cause one circuit to work irregularly, it gets out of synchrony. And what we do is put an electrode in and try to help realign that synchronicity of the circuits in the brain to smooth out what goes on.
0: So I hope you'll forgive me for being a simpleton with this question, but when we talk about deep brain stimulation and we're talking about these electrodes in there, is it a matter of implanting something and then leaving it there, and then it is powered, if you will, by a small battery? There's not wires, for instance, attached to somebody. They don't have to go in and, and be resynced from time to time. Help us understand what, what that looks like.
1: Yes, that's a really good question. Everything is totally internalized. So the electrodes that we put in are very soft electrodes that have a, a contact at the very end that goes into a certain part of the brain and then comes out through the skull and tunneled under the skin to the collarbone area, just like a pacemaker. And a device very similar to a pacemaker is connected to it. So it's all under the skin, but we can control it and change the setting. There's thousands and thousands of different settings we can use just by putting a little wand over the over the shirt or over the skin to reset it so The good thing about it is it's non-destructive and it's adjustable over time so we can continue to adjust it and fine tune it to get more and more benefit.
0: Dr. Donald Whiting joining us here. He is not only the chief medical officer for Allegheny Health Network, but chair of their Neurosciences Institute. Dr. Whiting, AHN being one of only 20 sites in the United States and also some in Canada and some in Germany, what does that say about the work that's being done here?
1: Well, we've always been a leader in deep brain stimulation, but I think, you know, we've, that's one of the things we really have done a, a tremendous job on, and I think it just signifies the fact that we're one of a one of few places in the country really doing this kind of work, leading the way.
0: And what do you hope to learn from Phase 2 that you were not able to get from Phase 1?
1: So Phase 1 and Phase 2 were more safety and right dosing, right settings. Phase 3, which we're starting now, actually is to try to show significant benefit. It's the phase just before we go to the FDA to get it to be commercially available.
0: Looking at a four-year run, does that sound about right as far as to get through this phase three?
1: Well, four years for each patient as they get enrolled, but as we get more and more data, sometimes we can get an interim conclusion um, depending on the data.
0: You also are able to get some information as you go along. Does that allow you to say, okay, there are other studies that we can do that we are finding that maybe short term memory is increased, but maybe not long term memory? Does that oftentimes trigger additional research and
1: additional studies? It exactly does. You should be doing this with me. I don't that's... know.
0: I'm not smart enough to do it. I just think of a yes. lot of questions.
1: <laughs> yes, you are. That's exactly what comes of it. So we. We prove a hypothesis, but then find out some other hypotheses that we want to pursue. And the good thing is, one, again, with, once this is in, we have thousands and thousands of different adjustments that we can make, so, and it's non-destructive and, and reversible, so we can look at a lot of different things as we get through this.
0: And how many patients will be involved in this clinical?
1: There's going to be about 300 nationally, but in our place, probably about 20
0: Okay. So the the amount of time that it is going to take from them to be part of this study, is this something that they're coming there on a weekly basis, a monthly basis? How often will you see them?
1: So initially, there'd be a few visits a week or two apart, and then it would be monthly for a few months, and then about every three to six months, depending on how far along you are over the four-year course of the study.
0: Well, Don, I will tell you one thing. I can, I can promise to ask all kinds of dumb questions and, and put them on a tee for you to answer, but I'm, uh, I'm not ready to be part of your, of your study just yet as far as on your team, okay? I, I mean, I'm happy to ask the questions, but let's just limit it to that right now.
1: Well, you do great questions, and you'd be on the team, but I wouldn't put you in the study because you're doing too well for well, that. Well, I very much appreciate you being here. Dr. Donald
0: Whiting, joining us here on KDK. It's always good to hear your voice and, and glad to know that this is moving forward. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Rick, for all you do.
0: You bet. Dr. Don Whiting joining us here, Chief Medical Officer at AHN and the Chair of their Neurosciences Institute.